Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. It's a Friday, and we're doing another SFB Fishbowl, the third podcast. Tonight, we've got three really good guests coming on, and we're going to learn a little bit about them, and then we're going to get into some of their strategy for the Scott Fishbowl. But I need to take a moment today. Some exciting things have happened to me. Uh, Most of the people who do this, we all can experience wanting to do more. And when I first started out about three years ago now, the first site that really kind of caught my attention, I was just so blown away by everything they do there, was Rotoviz. And it's always been a little bit of my, uh, my dream to get to work with them. And I submitted an I've been writing for Football Diehards, and I plan to continue. I thought I had an article that was pretty roto-viz. I sent it over to them, and they liked it. And it's up. It's on my timeline. It's my first article ever on uh, roto-viz. I'm very, very stoked about it. Um, they put me on Slack. I'm like, I feel like I got invited to the uh, the cool kids' table at school, and I mentioned that on Slack, and they said, yeah, if the nerds uh, were the cool kids. And I said, well, in fantasy football, the revolution is over and the nerds won. So uh, really, really excited about the news. Um, if you haven't used Rotoviz in the past, you're really missing out. It is the best value in fantasy sports, in my opinion. I've done other pods where I've said that, so it's not just a matter of my feeling this way because I'm now working with them. And I decided to give back a little bit. This is the first job that I've had in the industry where I can make a little coin. But, you know, I've really been blessed, and I do well in my business. I'm 54 years old. I'm not a kid. And basically what I've decided to do, everyone knows that I'm a big believer in Scott Fish and what he tries to do with Fantasy Cares. So if you ever thought you might want a Rotoviz Pass, go to my timeline, click on it, For $30, you get a season's pass, you get all their apps, you get all the articles from some really, really smart minds. And whatever I get out of that for the whole year, I am going to turn over to Fantasy Cares, um, trying to help Scott hit his goal. Well, at least until he hits his goal. I'll I'll take it that far. Last I looked, Fantasy Cares' goal was 10K. It, it was just under 7000 and so if you want to have a Rotoviz pass and feel like you've given back a little bit to the community and to Toys for Tots, 
I mean, just the thought of a kid not having a toy at Christmas kind of breaks me up. So it's something that I'm going to be doing this year. I'll be mentioning it on the podcasts, and and that's really it. So without further ado, we'll get to our first guest. His name is L.J. Cheney. He's a really bright young guy. You can find him at on Twitter, at Pacific Scouting. He is VP of College Scouting and Development at Dynasty Football Factory. He's the co-host of the Dynasty War Zone. Don't count the days, he says. Make the days count. He also hashtags NFL Draft, Devi Watch, and is a fan of the Seahawks. LJ, welcome to the Run to Daylight podcast. How's it going, Todd? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, tell me a little bit about um, Devi Watch. What does that mean? I've heard the term Devi, and I think I understand what it means. Uh, but I'm just starting to do dynasty leagues, and I'm really interested in um, what you do with Devi Watch. Oh, most definitely. But before I want to get into that, I just want to say a huge congratulations to you, man. That's awesome. The road of this deal. I just read that article before we started this, and it was good stuff. Yeah. The home and road splits for QBs and NFL tens. That's that's pretty cool, man. So congrats on that. And yep. uh, uh, yeah, I've been I've been really focused on MFL tens with trying to maximize and kind of supercharge, and that's part of the evolution. And I really appreciate the kind words, LJ. Thank you. Yeah, most definitely. So, Debbie, watch what it is. There is a little niche in dynasty football called Debbie, and actually the great Scott Fisher is the one who created it and came up with the idea and what it is is developmental players. So you got your dynasty squad and then you draft players who are in college. And once they enter the league, you get them on your team. And what we did at dynastyfootballfactory.com is we created a Debbie watch, which profiles 200 players. Uh, we came up with consensus ranking for these players and then profiled them based off their strengths, weaknesses. We did their, you know, heights, weights, their career stats, and then a summary on them and, and projected their, their Debbie draft round, you know, where we, where we value them for overall for their position and based off their class, you know, so let's say for the freshman class, you know, we got their rankings for that freshman class. And, and what it is is just a, a really detailed piece that, that profiles these top 200 players. And, you know, it, it was really fun to do. We have a great team over there and I think Debbie will start picking up some steam here pretty soon. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, if you, get a chance it's free and that's the big part of this is it's free you can go over to dynastyfootballfactory.com and download it for free well and even if you aren't someone who wants to get into Devi, and i do think it will start getting bigger very similarly to how in baseball people draft minor leaguers i think that it, it has very great potential and it's really nice to see you on the ground floor of this and um, I think at the very least, reading your stuff and being familiar with these young guys will help you when it comes time to do your rookie drafts in Dynasty, correct? Of course, yeah. So let's say you, you aren't into checking out the, the freshmen and the sophomores, but you can check in to the guys who are eligible for the 2018 draft. We have it laid out with our rankings that way, so you can – like okay well I just want to check out the guys coming out this next year and you'll see the rankings for them and you can go over them and get a jump start on your on your rookie drafts next year so yeah that's definitely you know something you can do so thanks for pointing that out 
Yeah, I, I mentioned to you before we got on the air, you've got so much stuff here. I definitely want to have you on for a pod once we get through these uh, these uh, SFBs and we get into the middle of July because you got so much stuff here. We'll hit just some of the highlights. Um, you're a Seahawks fan, and I, I often what I like to do is peep. I know I know more about the Giants than I do any other team because I'm a fan, and a lot of times I'll get insights there that, you know, other people who aren't Giant fans don't have. You have a very interesting situation at running back and at wide receiver, I think, this year with the Seahawks. First, let's look at the the key running back situation where Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls, and C.J. Procise are there. I'd love if you could illuminate everyone a little bit on your thoughts on how you see that situation playing out. Yeah, so that situation is a little bit of a mess. I think that Eddie Lacy, you know, if he gets back to form, he, the Seahawks just tweeted out a photo of him with, where he looks like he's in pretty decent shape. And if he's able to maintain that weight and enter the season, I think he could have a tremendous season, even though that line is what it is. And he got Thomas Rawls, who's a little firecracker. And anytime he senses competition, I feel like he's going to step up. You know, he's not counted on to be the main guy this year. And when he blew up his rookie season, he wasn't counted on to be the main guy. So I think he can sort of come out of the woodwork this year and enter in some time. But I think the most constant uh, running back in this offense is going to be C.J. Prosize. Because regardless of who's getting those main touches, C.J. Prosize, I feel like he's going to be the one out there on third downs and, and getting, you know, those those points in PPR leagues. And if, as long as he stays healthy, I think – CJ Prosize, in terms of talent, is, is the best running back in that backfield. Now, in pure running back ability, I think it's Eddie Lacy just because he's been there, he's done it, we've seen what he can do. But personally, I think it's a mess. You, if you want to, if you're going to own one of these guys, I think you got to own two of them. So. Yeah, I, and that makes it tough, especially in an MFL 10. And I, I'm going to go more into that with bye weeks. Um. Um, so um, I, I, I don't worry about it. This is not uh, a big time show where, uh, and we're doing it live. So uh, you know, but I, I think that's part of the fun of what I do here. So um, the next thing I wanted to ask you is, I was a huge Doug Baldwin guy, one of my most owned people, both last year and the year before. Now he's being drafted at the end of the second round. I haven't been taking him quite that early. And the reason is, even though I think that people are hugely underestimating how hurt Russell Wilson played last year and the fact that he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to draft this year, I love his ADP. With Jimmy Graham back and even healthier, Paul Richardson breaking out a little bit, Tyler Lockett coming back, I mean, there's a lot of a lot better wide overall receiving options, and I'm just interested in your take on all you know the overall situation. But especially if you think Baldwin has kind of gone out above his skis a little bit and might be being drafted a little bit more than what you think he's worth. So the thing with Doug Baldwin, I think he's been underdrafted the last couple of years, and I think he's sort of reaching that point to where you're you're getting face value for him. He's a he's a guy that he, he just works hard, man. He he's one of the best wide receivers in the league at creating separation and Russell Wilson sees that and I think that's how, you know, a lot of his success comes. Um I think you know, I think you're getting him for face value right here. I don't know if I'm really gonna touch him that early, even though I'm a Seahawks fan. 
But the way Russell Wilson played injured last year, going forward, he's going to be fully healthy. And you've got all these weapons. I think he's going to be able to spread it around a little bit more. But when it comes to this offense, Doug Baldwin hasn't been the most reliable receiver. So he, he should continue to put up some good points. And I think Jimmy Graham's going to have a huge season. He's been fully healthy this whole offseason. And I guess he's he came into OTH just completely ripped and, and ready to roll. Yeah, I agree. Um, before we get into the final thing, tell me a little bit about your main website, Dynasty Football Factory, and uh, you know how that whole thing came about. Yeah, so Michael Goins, the uh, the originator, the the creator of the site, he reached out to me last January 2016 and brought me on board, and you know I really liked what they had going, and we continued to build this website and. It's it's really coming into a fold. It's I, I, I like what we got going on here. You can get Debbie rankings like you know that I do. You can get rookie rankings, dynasty rankings. There's actual NFL draft scouting, which I take uh, a huge part in as well. And I really uh, once draft season rolls around, you know, I'm full bore on on NFL draft scouting and just your your typical dynasty articles. But then there's also some other stuff, you know, where it's buy sells and holds for certain teams. And we have our analytics department. We have our ADP. And there's, you know, it's a great dynasty site, and it's all free. So, you know, that makes – there's a lot of information that you get on here. And all you got to do is type it into the to the URL, and you're good to go. Awesome. All right, let's move over to the SFB. Uh, like I said, I hope to have you back on where we can go into all these great things in, in detail. Um is this your first time in the SFB? Yes, actually, it is my first time. I, I didn't sign up last year, so I didn't get an invite. And I signed up this year and looked at my email one day and seen that Scott Fish invited me to play in the SFB. So I was extremely stoked about it, and I'm excited. I'm excited for what he's doing right here. Yeah, it, it's a great chance. I remember the first time I got it, I was just, you know, he he he, he actually saw my tweeting on and asked me I didn't even know what it was and I'm like oh my gosh would I like to be in are you kidding me <clears throat> and that's one of the reasons I started doing the podcast I just think it's such a great event um it, so you were really stoked when you heard about it oh most definitely you know everybody talked about it last year and I was like oh man I didn't I didn't register for this and I didn't get my get my chance but once I registered this year and seen I was in because everybody from DynastyFootballFactory.com talks about it, of course. So it was really cool to see that email come through. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your division, what division are you in, and uh, some of the key people in there. Yeah, so I'm in the Lovable Animals division in my, well, I guess you could call that the conference. Uh, My actual division is Dumbo, and I'm looking on here, and the, the people that stand out to me that I personally know and follow is Jim McCormick from ESPN and Bleach Report. He is at underscore Jimmy McCormick. And then there's Stephen Wilk. I, I believe that's how you say it. I'm, if I mispronounce it, I'm sorry. He's uh, from Pyromaniac.com, and he's found at Pyrolytics. And there is Fugazi Life FB. He's found at Fugazi He's a cool Life dude. FB. Yeah, so – those are the three guys that stand out to me because those are the three that I interact with on Twitter. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a one, fun division. There's one guy I didn't know until the other day, and I got to know him for the wrong reason. 
Matt DeLima from Scout Fantasy. I guess he is their head editor. And uh, from what he tells everyone on Twitter, he is a um, full-time and paid. So uh, good for him. And uh, let's talk about your draft spot. What spot did you get? So I am sitting at 1.03, and I have Jim McCormick and Fugazi Life FB right before me. And I was like, who's Lawrence? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I am Lawrence. <laughs> they call me That's Lawrence. A good LJ. name. Yeah. It's just when I put it on Twitter, it's just too long. So I, I take my middle initial, put LJ, you know, it looks a little a little smoother versus spelling. Oh, yeah, it's, kind of, it's cool. It's like a, it's like you're, uh, you know, like a developmental tight end. <laughs> L.J. Cheney or a linebacker. Yep. Actually, that's more of a linebacker name. L.J. Cheney comes in at middle linebacker. <laughs> He's good against the run, and he can also uh, blitz the passer a bit. So, um, all right. So, have you gotten a chance to look much at the scoring? It really is very unique scoring in the Scott Fishbowl. It is super unique, and I, I like what he set up. You know, the points for first down is going to be huge, and I think sitting at three is a good spot for me because there's the big three, the running backs, you know, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. And I think I think what he's got going on with the scoring is pretty unique. I was looking over last year's uh, point totals, and, you know, I – I see that quarterbacks are up there pretty good, and I was looking at 2015 as well. And what's nuts, though, is none of the top five scorers in 2015 returned to the top five in 2016. So that sort of, you know, put me in a pause. And then I've seen that Aaron Rodgers is the only player to return to the top ten in scoring from 2015 to 2016. So he finished sixth in 2015 and first in 2016. So I thought that was pretty nuts to see that, he was the only one to return to the top ten in scoring in this format. Yeah, that's a good point that I haven't heard mentioned yet. Um, it seems like a very heavy quarterback running back to start, and then you got all the the you know the extra points for tight end. Um, any any thoughts on how you'd like to end up the first couple rounds when it comes to positions? So I think what I'm going to do is. And I'm perfectly fine with these guys hearing this because, I mean, they are drafting against me, but it's fine. So, sitting at three, like I said, I want to end up with one of the top three running backs. I think that when you're early in the draft, you can get one of those three guys, you're good to go. And then after that, I think I think I'm going to attack the quarterback a little bit. And I personally feel I'll be able to wait on wide receivers. You know, there's certain wide receivers that have a good target share on, you know, third down or, you know, past the sticks to where I think they're going to be a little bit underrated when it comes to this and make an impact later. You know, those guys that are focal points for quarterbacks that they rely on on third down should benefit from this point for first down deal we got going on here. So I think I'm going to go running back early then QB. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I'm the polar opposite of you. Uh, I am the 10 spot. So, you know, I'm 110 and 2-3, you're 1-3 and 2-10. So the question I've been asking everyone and kind of just informing people of, what are you worried that there's going to be big positional runs? And if so, do you have any strategy to deal with it? I think there is going to be. I, 
I think there's going to be those tier one wide receivers scattered throughout the first and second rounds, but I do think once people see and get comfortable with the, the format and see how people are, where people are going and they partake in mock drafts, they're going to see that running back and QB is going to go pretty early. So my only strategy for that is going to be to take those guys early and hope some good receivers slip through the cracks. And I think right now it's going to be, you got Travis Kelsey with the top scoring tight end, but there's a couple other tight ends that are not too far behind in, in last year's scoring. So I think you'll be able to get a pretty decent tight end late as well, even though this format sort of favors them. They're still, you know, a little ways down in scoring for overall points in 2016. Awesome. LJ, you killed it. It was awesome having you on. I, I wish I had more time, but that's the beauty of uh, these SFB pods. You get a nice slice of everyone's uh, life and their strategy, and I really wish you the best in SFB. Stay in touch, and like I said, I would really like to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on the Run to Daylight podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. You know, I, I enjoy these. I'm going to be listening to these all summer long. So thanks for being on. Awesome. Thank you so much, LJ. Our next guest is Dave Sanders. You can find him at, at Dave Sanders underscore RSO. He is a dynasty football writer for at Reality Sports on Dynasty Trade Theory Guy. And that is very interesting because that's kind of my bag. And rookie scouting enthusiast. He's the commissioner of too many leagues an MFL 10 degenerate just like myself, and he lives about an hour and 20 minutes away from me in Philadelphia, PA. Dave, welcome to the Run to Daylight podcast. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So where in Philly do you live? Uh, Chad's Ford area. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's out, uh, that's out by the, the Barry Bridge, so, so to speak. The yeah, Commodore. exactly. Yeah, there used to be a luggage store that I would deal with out there uh, in, I forget the name of the shopping mall, but uh, they're out of business now, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I live up in Nazareth, PA. Oh, okay, that's awesome. You're not too far yeah, at all? How, have you, did you grow up in that area? I grew up around in this area. I grew up Kennett Square, um, went to school out in West Virginia, and then came back to this local area. Nice. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself and about your fantasy football life. Absolutely. Um, so I've been playing fantasy football for about 20 years now. Uh, mainly I'm into, into the dynasty and keeper leagues, as you mentioned, um, really because those involve talent evaluation and scouting. Um, this is my second year writing for Reality Sports Online. I definitely love their platform and appreciate how it differs from the standard dynasty leagues. Gotcha. And uh, tell me a little bit about the, the website that you work for. Sure. Um, if you're not familiar with Reality Sports Online, it's a salary cap league. Um, that basically, we have live free agent auctions, so you're competing and bidding on the players um, with all of your league mates and signing the multi-year contracts, um, using the franchise tag, all sorts of components that the real NFL has. It's basically like dynasty football on steroids is the best way to put it. Yeah, I've heard of the – I remember that I think they had the guy who started that on the Fantasy Feast last year. And yeah. I used to do something similar back before I got back into fantasy football. I used to do simulation football, which is 
and we would draft every position, and then there was a software where we would actually play the games and call the games against each other on the Internet. So I'm, I'm real familiar with contract leagues and all that, but I, uh, I'm just getting into dynasty football and uh, learning the ropes and trying to survive since I'm playing with a lot of really good people. It, it's a lot of sure. fun, though. It, it, it really is. It is. It really takes it to the next level, and since there is a live auction, it creates uh, there's market inefficiencies you have to worry about, and the, the trading with the having short-term contracts instead of lifelong contracts in Dynasty, it really adds nuance to your trading. The strategy is much different. Yeah, it makes it much more realistic, and 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 you, you know, if you're in a lot of leagues already, I can imagine, you know, one of the secrets to winning is having more time to dig than your opponents do. And when you're in a lot of leagues and you're doing a league like that, it can really put pressure on you. But what I wanted to do with the rest of our, quote, free time to get to know you, you recently wrote an article on realitysportsonline.com about slicing the 17 rookie class into 12 tiers. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that article? Sure. So what we found in our research is that a little over half of the RSO leagues have not done their rookie drafts yet. So I figured this would be a good time to put out new rankings and really break it down in tiers. Um, what I'm finding in this draft class, and I think what a lot of other people have found too, is that there are huge drop-offs. Um, so looking at standard 1 to 50 rankings may not be the best way to do it. If you look at the first round, for example, there's a big fall-off after Corey Davis and the top four running backs. So I'm trying to give people guidance on when they should be trading in or maybe trading away their picks. Yep, I, uh, I, I'm looking at it now, and I uh, one of the guys that I got in one of my drafts, I traded down twice, and I, I'm actually okay. in a league with Matt Harmon and uh, the, 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 the Ghost, the FF Ghost, and I traded down yep. twice and still got my target, who was Chris Godwin. Um, in in the mid second round and uh, it's it, it's such a ton of fun and you know boy I could I could uh, I could go on forever about trading and getting value but I really like what you've done here if you go to Dave's Twitter feed and I'm sure why don't you pin this article for people so that they could see it um, he I really will. did a great job with this this is this is a great article I really like how it's laid out. Um, I, I, I will say one thing that I think is interesting is that you have Kareem Hunt at the end of Tier 5. Um, mm-hmm. How much tape did you get to see on him? And you you have him well ahead of Joe Williams and Jamal Williams. I have those two guys much closer together. Uh, I happen to like Joe and Jamal. But uh, I, I got in another draft with Mike Taglieri, a really deep league, I got mm-hmm. all three of those guys in one draft, but I want to—I'd like to get your thoughts on the Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware situation. I think a lot of people are underestimating Spencer Ware. I'd 100% agree with that. Um, Ware really was good last year. He wore down as the season went on, but I think there's still a lot there for him, a lot of positives. Um, I liked Kareem Hunt's tape a ton. Um, was really buying him at that point. When the draft came around, he did disappoint a little bit, especially with that 40 time. Um, I know a lot of people are projecting him to come in and take the job from where, but I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to get that early playing time. Uh, I think I'm projecting like a 60-40 split in favor of where. And then if you look at Joe Williams and Jamal Williams, 
Um, like both players, definitely like both situations. Um, we know the Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan stories about how he wanted Joe Williams so much, and that's definitely a good sign. Carlos Hyde's definitely not there probably for the long haul. Um, and then in Green Bay, a Green Bay running back could be very successful, and Ty Montgomery is not a huge barrier to playing time, so I can definitely understand why you're high on him as well. Yeah, I uh, I think, you know, I mean, look, there's, there's always red flags with rookie running backs, um, but I, I really like this running back class. The one guy that I didn't like as much who's in that, you know, I'll, I'll call it the second tier for lack of a better term, is mm-hmm. I, I, I just wasn't that impressed with Dante Foreman, and I've noticed his ADP has been dropping. And even though I don't love him, I, I just got him in the 17th round of a MFL 10, and, I, boy, I'm certainly willing to take a shot on him there. And that's the format where I like him a lot better, too, um, purely as the handcuff for Lamar Miller. If something were to happen to him, I think he'd step in and have a lot of value this year. But long-term, I agree. He's not a prospect that I'm really high on. Uh, Texas, he faced a lot of um, diamond-nickel uh, packages on defense, so he wasn't facing eight in the box or anything like some SEC packs were. He, he also kind of reminded me a little bit of Andre Williams, who went to the Giants. Um, he definitely has more top-end speed than Williams, but he he just seems to be a little clunky. Um, like if there's, if there's no hole, you know, I, I just – I don't know how to put it, but I just didn't see the wiggle that I saw in a guy like Pirine, uh, who's someone who kind of matches up and looks like him. Um, would you agree with that? 100%. As you were saying that, I was thinking of wiggle as the word I used to describe, but he doesn't really have that. Um, and Andre Williams is actually a pretty decent comp if you added top speed to it. I'd agree with that, too. Yeah, I, I it just it rem, I, I think he might have the same problem that Andre Williams had. I think you know, and when I say wiggle, I don't mean you know wiggle like you know you, you would expect from some of the smaller backs. But even the big backs have to you know they need quite often that first tackler to miss them. They need just enough shake to get that first guy to miss them so that they can get into the hole and use that big, powerful body of theirs. And Andre Williams, every once in a while, would you know, once he would get three yards and a, and, and a head of steam, he'd have a nice run. But then there were seven other runs where he never could get past the offensive line level. And, and, and that, that's my fear with Foreman. I'd agree with that as well. So is this your first rodeo in the Scott Fishbowl? It is. Um, last year I applied, but it was very much towards the end of the year. Um, so really I'm excited to be part of it. It's just such a great event for the fantasy community, which we're all a part of and we're all you know, so proud to be a part of. So it's great to bring everybody together and get everybody excited for the upcoming season. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you one other thing before I, you know, we finished we have a little bit of time on your article. Uh, give me one sure. name that, that you're higher on than most experts, and give me one name that you're lower on than most experts. Okay. Um, I think I'm, it may not look at here in my rankings based on the tiers, but David Njoku I'm ending up with on a lot of teams. Um, as far as the tight ends go, I think he has the highest ceiling. I actually kind of love the situation he has with the Browns because they have a great offensive line. I don't think they're going to ask him to block very much. The quarterback situation, of course, is questionable. 
but just love his long-term upside and the skill set if it all comes together. Um, guy I'm lower on the most, I would say Cooper Cup in with the Rams. Um, I just don't buy that he has long-term upside as a real fantasy impact player. I guess the best case scenario is Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type. Um, but a few, I mean, just there are too many examples of guys with that kind of skill set that don't become huge fantasy options. So I just don't see the long-term upside there that would warrant him being taken in the late second, early third round. You know, I, I, I didn't get to watch much tape on him. But the one thing, you know, I remember watching Wes Welker when he was with the Dolphins and just seeing his short-term speed how he was able to cut on a dime. And, 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 of course, Julian Edelman has that same ability. And what I find is you can be very quick and you could look like you're going – or you could be very small and seem like you're going to be um, a real good slot guy. But the truly elite slot guys have that short area burst. Like a guy in basketball, like I was never you know, a, a quick guy or a fast guy. But in a short area, I could get by you because I had decent moves. And, you know, I could move quicker than you would expect. I don't know, you know, can you talk to Cups? Do you understand what I mean by that, that quick yeah. turning and that quick speed? And do you think that Cup has it, or is that something you think he lacks? I think he lacks it a bit. Um, one of the measurables that I think really translates well to that is the three-cone drill at the Combine. Um, and if I'm remembering right, I don't think he had a very strong time there. Um, and that's one thing that Christian McCaffrey, for example, jumped out on. And it's backed that. up by his tape as well. Exactly. So I think he'll, if, yeah. he, if he doesn't make it fully as a running back, as a slot receiver, he can do great things. Awesome. Well, thank you for that insight on the rookies. Now let's get back to the SFB7. I'm glad you were invited. It looks like you're in the Mickey Mouse division. And that doesn't mean that the people in the division are Mickey Mouse, obviously. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the, the key people that you know that are in your division? Sure. So a lot of the people I follow on Twitter, um, but the one who's actually a friend of mine now, Colm Kelly from Overtime Ireland. I've played in a Ireland dynasty league with him for the last three years where I'm actually the only person from America on there. Um, so that's been really fun. Aside from the time, the time difference makes it a little bit challenging for trades. Um, but he and I have developed a friendship and kind of a budding rivalry, so I'm looking forward to competing with him. He seems like a really good guy. Um, I was trying to get him on last year, and it just didn't work out time-wise. Going to really try and get him on this year. You also have from Pro Football Focus, Nathan J- – I, I still don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Junkie. And mm-hmm. um, I'm in a league with him. He's a really smart guy. Uh, ben Howell from the Fantasy Authority, Roto Grinders, Travis Manjone, or Mangone, and Dynasty Nerds, Corey Evans. So you're in with a good division. What spot do you have in the draft? I have the eighth spot. And what are you, what's your thought about pulling the, the, the number eight? I'm okay with it. Um, the main reason why I'm okay with it, I guess, is because I think there will be runs on certain players, and I kind of like being in the middle to help prevent being stuck at the end of a tier. Um, I think a lot of the top running backs will be gone by then, Johnson, Zeke, Bell. Uh, I'm hoping one of the quarterbacks falls if it's Rodgers or Brady, but at the eighth pick, I guess I'll put my board together and see who falls there. 
You know, you you hit on something that I've been asking almost every guest so far on the SFB uh, 7 pods. I think the scoring system absolutely lends itself to runs on positions, and when people realize that there's runs, they'll continue to run. And when I, I was hoping that would be the answer you would give. I wish I had, you know, the sixth, uh, maybe the fifth to the ninth spot uh, or mm-hmm. the fifth to the eighth spot so that you can not have to spend so much time worrying about runs when you choose and you're more able to just pick the best player. Yeah, definitely. Um, and with the scoring settings, like you mentioned, it really is so unique, and I like how Scott changes it every year and really tries to introduce new things to the industry, like this points per first down. Um, I'm actually in his Capitalistic Pigs 2 League, where he already introduced that um, this summer for our startup. So it was interesting to be part of a draft with that. It really did. People focused really highly on running backs, inflated their values, and I ended up lighter on running back myself. How close to that scoring overall is um, SFB7? Very similar. The minor differences were that one is still as PPR, so it has PPR and points per first down. And that one also has .25 for running back carries, which may have also led to the uh, spike in running back value. Yeah, that, that, that's significantly different. Um, coin flip. Would you rather start quarterback, running back, or tight end? I'm going to try to get two of the top 15 quarterbacks. That probably means I have to take one in the first or second round. Um, as far as tight ends go, they're definitely inflated in the scoring system given the bonus that they have for points per first down. So I think it's 2.5 total. Um, it probably isn't enough to put Gronk or Kelsey for the number eight pick for me, but definitely a target in the second round if they're still there. Yeah. Um, is, you know, what's your take on wide receivers? I mean, let's say Odell Beckham is sitting there at 3-8. What's, what's your thought? I definitely consider him. I, I probably would lean a top-tier receiver, whether it's Brown or Beckham, over the second tier of running backs. Okay. Um, and 22 draft spots. Um, any any thoughts on what you might find later in drafts rather than early? Sure. Um, a lot of sleeper running backs. I'm probably going to target some high-end handcuffs like James Conner, uh, maybe Foreman like you mentioned. I think in this league you're going to have to have a contrarian strategy to win given that there's 720 teams and a lot of really smart people. Um, so I'm going to try to – be a little bit more unconventional. I'll probably load up on more receivers already than most. Um, definitely want to target those top early quarterbacks and then some running backs with high upside that may not have the playing time right now or may not get the buzz in the fantasy community. Sorry about that. That's fine. Um, but yeah, really targeting the quarterbacks and receivers early and running backs with some upside if things break right that may be running backs that aren't as favored in the community right now. Oh, give us do you mind giving us a name of a running back that would fit that profile? Sure. Um a big time sleeper of mine for a while has been Bilal Powell. I'm getting a bit concerned as they as the Jets continue this full rebuild and almost a tank mode that it seems. Um so I hope that they're in games enough that he can stay on the field and they don't try to give too many uh carries to the rookie back rookie running back McGuire. Um but even if they're down in a PPR, I guess 
point for first down format, I could still see him being very uh, well utilized. Yeah, I, uh, I I think that's all good stuff. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Any final thoughts that you have that you'd like to share with the audience? No, I just really wanted to thank you for having me on. appreciate the opportunity, and really I'm looking forward to the Scott Fishball itself. Yeah, I'm, I was really glad to have you on. I really like um, I really like the um, the the early aspect that we talked about and all the stuff you do there. Why don't you tell people again where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find some of your work? And I wish you the best of luck both in SFB seven and continued success with all the leagues. You really seem to have a handle on them. All right, great. Well, thanks, Todd. Uh, my Twitter handle is Dave Sanders underscore RSO. I'll make sure I pin the tweet with my uh, top 50 rookies breaking down to 12 tiers. And then also my profile, I have a list of, I basically have a link to where all my articles are housed on RSO's website. Awesome. Dave, thank you so much for coming on. I, it was really a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Todd. All right. Have a good day. All right, our next and final guest to the episode is a returning champion to the Run to Daylight podcast. He is one of the heaviest MFL 10 drafters. We did a very good episode, or he was very good at least, uh, about a month ago, I would guess. If you, can, if you go to Blog Talk Radio and you do a search for Run to Daylight, um, you can find the episode with Seth Inselman, and hopefully I pronounced his name right. Um, Seth, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Todd. Uh, awesome to be back. And awesome to excited to be talking about Scott Fishbowl and uh, my second time in it. And it's it's very interesting this year. So, How did you do the first time? Um, I just missed the playoffs. Um, I uh, went with kind of a contrarian strategy. Um, uh, I tried to grab a couple of the top, what I consider the top five wide receivers early because I was late in the first round, so I was missing out on the what the stud running backs, and so I figured I'd try and get some place or some differentiation that way, and then ha- hammer the running backs hard. But I ended up having quite a few injuries early, which I think you can feel that. Um, had a couple good pickups, but just missed the playoffs. I think by. Um, a couple points and and, a, and one win. So that's the problem with uh, drafting with a bunch of other sharks. No matter how good you are, if you you know come out, you know I I, I always like to say that I I, I you know I've it, how I come out of a draft is normally how I finish. If I really think I had a good draft, um, mm-hmm. you know I, I I typically have a pretty good season. If I come out of a draft thinking oh, I'm really just not too happy, it, it's very rare that I can turn it around, even with trading and and other things. And then you add in the fact that there's no trading here, and you're drafting with a bunch of sharks. Just the fact that you almost made the playoffs but didn't was probably pretty good for uh, considering, you know, what you were describing. Yep, I was. I mean, I was happy. It was my first time in it, and uh, I was happy with my draft right after the fact. But uh, it kind of went south pretty quick. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> injuries. Sometimes. You know, injuries are. I think I told this story on an earlier pod. My strategy was spot on, and I made two. Uh, and I made the playoffs, 
but I made two disastrous early choices. I drafted Todd Gurley at 1-1. One, one. The, the guy mm-hmm. I was considering with him was David Johnson. And as we know, there wasn't much of a difference between those two. And then my I took Drew Brees with my second at the at the turn at 212, and then I was going back and forth between McCoy and C.J. Anderson. McCoy and C.J. Anderson. Guess who I picked? C.J. I remember talking to you uh, last year before the draft when you were you were debating, like literally Gurley or because you were talking about it before the draft and you ended up going Gurley. Yeah, I got it in my head that I, that I was you know and. I, you know, that was my biggest takeaway for, for this year was don't, you know, it all the more just don't ignore certain things. Like I underestimated the bad offensive line in L.A., and I was just like, mm-hmm. girl, he's talent. He's going to get all these carries. And, you know, I just listened to a fantastic podcast with Kevin, the FF engineer, and Sigmund Bloom, and, and, and they discussed about the steady drumbeat. Well, a lot of times the drumbeat can be negative, and last year it was about that offensive line, and I ignored it. And, it, you know, I could have, got, you know, considering how far I got with those guys, if I had David Johnson, I could have really done well. But enough about spilled yeah. milk and my almost good team. It's like the fish that got away. Let's talk about your and mine favorite fantasy subject, MFL 10s. How many are you up to, and how have you been feeling about your MFL 10s this year? Oh, um, I am up to, I think, 220-ish, 218, somewhere right around there. Wait, wait, wait. Um, You you, you said said 120, right? No, 220. Yeah, I do a lot. I I love them. (laughs) I'm an addict. (laughs) 220, that means basically you can never, like, you have time to take a crap and and eat once in a while. (laughs) No, I've got it down to kind of a science. It doesn't take me long to do my picks. So I can uh, just, I go from the one screen and see when my pick's up and pop in, see what's available and what I've got on my team and, and go from there. And it doesn't take very long. Gotcha. And, um, you know, I've been noticing a little bit lately that all the people like you and I out there touting who we like and who we don't like on Twitter, Evan Silva, people like that who can really move the needle. For a while, I was finding all these great values at running back late. You know, Chris Thompson in the 18th, Vereen wasn't even getting drafted half the time. Um, now the latest one everyone's talking about is another one of my guys, DeAndre Washington. Um, I'm starting to come to the end of drafts and really be like, oh, boy, there's no one I really want to pick. Have you been noticing the same thing? Yeah, some drafts is getting a little thinner, but there's I mean, there's just so many good late-round flyers. Like you said, DeAndre Washington has one, been one of my highest-known players because he's just, I mean, he's basically free, and if um, – uh, what's his name, underperforms or gets hurt or whatever, he's in for a great role behind an awesome line. Other other good ones that I don't even find myself drafting that often because um, either I'm grabbing a, a, another defense or another receiver or whatever, but like Darren McFadden's always available in the 20th. Um, there's always some good late-round flyers on receivers I like in the 20th or, you know, a, a third defense. So um, there are definitely – there's been some changes, but uh, some of the followers I still like and some of the um, 
some of the tight ends that are there also I like. So there's there's options, yeah. but it's it's just different than it was a month or two ago. Absolutely. And one of the things, you know, this is the first time I've ever done it before the draft, so I learned a lot from the different periods, um, you know, right through before free agency, early free agency, after free agency, right before the draft, after the combine, the the draft, and then you get news. And like every two weeks, it's like 80 – I'm thinking about next year doing a regular ADP show where I just kind of go over some of the changes because literally I could settle on a strategy. A couple weeks ago I I settled on – a zero running back strategy for some of my drafts. And I really was very, very happy with my drafts and, and almost like I joined like eight or nine and, you know, not all at the same time. And by the time I got to the second group, all the values, not all of them, but a lot of the values I really liked weren't there anymore. You really have to stay on top of the ADP. Don't you think? Oh, for sure. And I mean, a lot of people this year have, uh, ADHDs, um, ADP apps, so that that's out there. So it makes it harder for for us as well because these people have more information available year by year, you know, month by month now. Um, one of my biggest advantages is I do so many from the start, and I I just I pretty much know the ADP just by doing them. But you can never get like locked into thinking, okay, I'm going to get this guy here, this guy here, because it changes organically throughout the season. So you just got to look draft by draft because you're going to get values every single draft. You just got to see where they are. You know, one draft, it might be, you know, it might be running backs that fall. Another draft, it might be quarterbacks that fall. It just depends. Like this last draft, I just took Russell Wilson, 8-11. So you just never know who falls, and you just got to be looking for those values and and go there because that's where you get your biggest bang for the buck in these things. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my key focuses this year is, I use the Rotoviz Best Ball app. It's what I'm used to. I love what Josh did, but there, there's so much stuff. I really kind of need time to sit there and play with it. And I, I don't know if it was the day that I used it, but, uh, you know, it seemed like there was a couple rounds that, you know, he was still showing players that weren't there. I think it probably I just was looking on a bad day. Um, and then there was another site that I was using for FFPC. It was the same thing. And it's like, yeah, you know, especially this other site that I'll remain nameless because it went on for a week or two. And I'm like, you know, this isn't a very effective tool if i got to spend the same 10 minutes going through all the people that that are drafted that you're not showing is drafted yet. So right. um, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Rotoviz Best Ball app, and I think I might write an article on it for Rotoviz because uh, – I can do that now. Yeah, it's I just read your new article. It's real good. You liked it? Yeah, it was awesome. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of I, like try and take that stuff into consideration when I'm drafting, um, but I hadn't gone into that much depth. But, yeah, I definitely try and, if I'm going to get somebody like him, I try and look a little bit at the buys and, and their schedules and try and pair them up with somebody that, that fits. So it was it, it was I, a really sharp article. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. You know, it's a lot of times we're our own harshest critics. Um, one thing that I, you know, I want to do a lot more on that. I think there's a lot more edges that you can glean. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be working on doing kind of more of a DFS optimization and looking at, you know, like uh, like one that came to my mind today is, you know, you've got five or six running backs already while you – 
when, when it comes time to draft defenses, right? And you and I, we probably are the same. We don't want to be overexposed to any one defense. And we've got five or six defenses that we have in a tier. Well, for DFS, there's a, we've, it's been proven. I know Chris Raybon's done studies that there's a correlation between running backs and defense. Well, why wouldn't I want to pair my, you know, one of my running backs with a defense if it's in the same tier? Even if that correlation is only small, I'm starting to look at MFL 10s as nothing more than 16 weeks of DFS that's cumulative. What do you think of that, that theory? No, I kind of agree with you there. Um, I am a little bit different on you that um, defenses are the one thing that I do not uh, care about how much exposure I have to them. They're all going to score some points, and I feel pretty confident in my ability to pick top half defenses overall. So, I'm, I mean, there's, there's probably 10 to 15, somewhere 12 to 15 defenses that I haven't drafted once yet in my 200 and some. Um, and it'll probably stay that way just because I don't like them and I don't like their, their schedule or I don't, don't like where they're getting drafted compared to the ones that are around them. So I'd, my highest-owned players right now, the top three mm-hmm. or four are all defenses. I am going to check your work. <laughs> going to the Handy Rotoviz app. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I don't you, hide anything. You, I use the same name for everything. So. No, I'm the same way because I want to check my own exposure too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to give away. I'm not going to. Well, you know what? You don't have any higher exposure than I do. Um, you've got uh, the, your first one is 28, then 25, then 20, uh, 28, then tw- two 26s, a 20, a 15, and a 9. And now I'll do mine. Okay. Yeah. I actually uh, and I've got using I've got a 24, app. a 6. What's that? I've actually been using this app um, that uh, was created by uh, a gentleman from um, the. Oh, gosh, what's it called? Uh, Draft Sharks, and he's been testing it or whatever. And I was one of the ones that got him in the test, but it lets me input my leagues as I go. Jason Rock and Phelps, keeps track. Like yeah, Rock Phelps, yep. And um, I've got it, it, it's. I think it's a little bit more up to date, maybe because I think I've got a lot higher on on that. I've got, I've got. Oh yeah. Well, I've noticed the, the Rotoviz app the last couple of days. Like some of mine have dropped off. I do show you 216 leagues, though. Like, your number one, when I was saying 28, I was giving you a percentage, not a total oh, number of drafted. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so, like, your top defense, you own 28%. It's also one of my favorite defenses. Your second defense is one that I'm not as high on last year this year because I thought uh, they had a real uh, – I, I can say it, it's the Giants. They, oh, I, I just the Giants. think they had, uh, they had a really easy schedule last year. I think it's tougher this year. Mm-hmm. But your third defense is my number one defense, the, the Bucks. I think they're criminally under-owned. Your fourth defense is someone that I wish I had more of. Yeah, I mean, we're on a lot of the same defenses. I just haven't been doing three defenses much this year. Um, you know, in doing the research, either I'll switch. Sorry, I'll, uh, I haven't been doing much three defense so far. Maybe twenty percent of the 
my teams are three defense so far. I'll transition more to three defense as we get closer to the season, I think. All right. Well, you know, I want to get more into the fishbowl, and I want to, you know, uh, I mean, we got some time. I, I set the episode up for, for longer. But uh, why don't you uh, – I, 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 let's finish the MSL 10 talk and ask you why doing three defenses later. And the reason is, you know, I was just watching Al Zeidenfeld, Al Smizzle, on um, talking about how he's doing more three now and is going to do more two later. Um, so I, I just would like to hear your reasoning. Uh, for me, it's it's that earlier on in the uh, off season, um, before you get closer and closer to the season, you have less knowledge, less information about the other players, and injuries come in, uh, changes come in, uh, how things turn out in training camps, et cetera, and that that changes. So I want to give myself a couple more late shots at some of those um, positions that can matter a little bit more um, to cover in case something happens, like obviously. Dennis Pitta going down, who I had high exposure to, or, um, you know, a receiver getting a DUI or, you know, something like that and, and going out. Um, whereas later, as we come close to the season, I'm more comfortable with um, ADP, with the situations, who's going to be doing what, and I've, I'm more comfortable taking my, you know, seven or eight receivers and then not taking that last flyer there, rather taking the third defense just to give myself those guaranteed, you know, 20, 30, 40 points, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, that's where I come from on it. Yeah, I, you know, first of all, going back to the last thing you said or before, I also agree that I don't mind having a higher exposure to defenses than I do some other positions. Um, the other thing yep. I'll say that Al Zeidenfeld said, and, you know, what I hate about it is he's almost always right. And, and, and I mean, I'm not just saying that because he's, he's got a big name in the industry. I just happen to really respect him. And he said that, you know, he had, because he has more information on good sleepers closer to the draft, he's, that's why he's more likely to only go two defenses late. So I'm more on your end of the spectrum and it, you know, it's 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 very interesting. So I, 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 I will leave the conversation there. But um, that that's another interesting thought when it comes to MFL tens. Uh, what division are you in in the Scott Fishbowl? Let's uh, let's transition a bit. I'm in uh, engineered stitch, and my division is loaded. <laughs> I noticed. I mean, you're in. They talk about the group of death in soccer. I mean, even your fans are monsters. All my all my fans, I know who they are. Like they're literally, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Joe's actually Look, you got an Megatron FF as a Megatron. Fan. Yeah, Megatron FF Nixon. is one of the first. Yeah, it like I have a bunch of Power Hour DFS um, followers. Uh, Taylor's now uh, actually kind of helping run that. Um, Megatron was one of the what? first volume. She's running the help, helping run the, uh, the podcast for them. Um, for, for Megatron's for, 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 for power hour DFS. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause once uh, Scott got his uh, gig at uh, PFF and their other person left, it's now it's uh, John and, um, and, uh, 
uh, Ryan Hodge, and then she's kind of there, um, the one kind of running it and helping helping out. So yeah, she she knows right. her stuff. She's big into DFS too. Megatron, like I yep, said, she's is one of the good first. Egg. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Megatron's one of the first uh, volume MFL 10 players. And then you get into the, the people that are, you know, in the industry. Eric Crane from Rotor Grinders. Uh, TJ Calkins. We Million all dollar man. Two. Yeah, freaking so good. Uh, obviously, John Proctor from uh, Fantasy Labs and the, the aforementioned podcast. The FF Ghost from DFL. Ken Moody. From Dynasty League football, I mean, it's just loaded. It's a great division. It's going to be a fun challenge. Oh, and you got Joe Pano in there too. Yeah, frequent contributor here. Oh my gosh, this and Dave Richard from CBS. Yeah, from CBS. Yeah, it's just <laughs> stupid. It, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I was excited though. I love I, I love Stitch, and I, I I love I'm a big time follower of the their Power Hour podcast. It's super fun, and they're super sharp. So, it, obviously, these guys are too because they all follow it. And then, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, th- this is this is crazy. Well, you're going to need a good strategy. So, um, tell us about your draft position and a little bit about your salary, your salary, your strategy. <laughs> Good. Well, my. Uh, my salary, I don't know about yet, but my draft position is 109. Um, and then I took a look at the scoring from the last two years um, with uh, Scott Fishbowl at this current scoring. And I looked at the points per game difference between each position, um, first and 12th, and then the 24th, and then 36 for wide receivers since you start three of those. And Basically, I find out if you go points per game difference, um, wide receiver one to wide receiver 12 is 4.9. Running back one to running back 12 is 8.6. Tight end one to tight end 12 is 7.75. And quarterback one to quarterback 12 is anywhere from basically 6 to 7.5. 7.5 if you take into account Cam Newton's, like, top five all-time season there. Um, so, and then you'd go um, from one to twenty-four or thirty-six as a wide receiver. For one to thirty-six for wide receiver is eight, only eight point one difference. For tight end, it's eleven point seven five. For running back, it's eleven point six five, and for quarterback, it's ten point eight. So obviously, wide receivers are hugely devalued in this. Um, everybody knows that, and if they don't, I'm telling them right now they're usually devalued. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's much of a secret. But some people are still not still, in your division. You get one of, no, but if you get one of those top top wide receivers at a at a good price, you know that you can still get some advantage there because the very top wide receivers, like you're going to have, you know, a little bit of a difference between them and the later guys. But I mean, honestly, I would prioritize, you know, the stud running backs, then the stud tight ends, um, then the stud running backs. <laughs> And then probably quarterbacks, making sure you get – I'm going to shoot for two top, you know, what I consider top, you know, 16-ish quarterbacks. Um, and then I probably won't touch a wide receiver until around 8, 9, 10, something like that. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm thinking as well. Um, my only difference is quarterback um, is one of those positions that – because it's you know you can talk about the difference between the quarterback A and quarterback B, 
but quarterbacks score really high in this overall. And right. if you know, if you don't get too early, um you could be in trouble. I'm I'm kicking around, and you can tell me what you think of this strategy. I told myself I wasn't going to say it, but you know me, diarrhea of the mm-hmm. mouth. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of possible. I got the ten. I'm thinking of possibly taking two quarterbacks with the the, the one ten and the two, uh, three, and then not taking another quarterback in the draft and just. You know, load up everywhere else mm-hmm. while every, you know. So I, I, I'll take the top off that position, lock myself into two really good people that I can play almost every week, and then you know try and make you know make up for it as much as I can in rounds three through whatever. Uh, I won't say I won't take another quarterback, but if I take another quarterback, it might be like a, a you know, a Jimmy Gar- a, a, yeah, like a Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. who you know, is a, a favorite of mine and, you know, God forbid Brady gets hurt, you know, but as far as mm-hmm. trying to get a third, you know, I, I, I that, that, that's just a one option that I'm considering. I'm curious to ask no, your thoughts. No, one of the strategies it. I like too. Um, I think the biggest thing in this, um, I know for sure in my division, and I think in most divisions is that every draft's going to be so different um, because you're going to have some people that are, you know, super adjusting towards the scoring. Some people are going to be like, okay, I still I can't pass up Antonio Brown here, et cetera. So you really got to take whatever your draft is as it comes to you and see, you know, you might have the plan for those quarterbacks, but then you might get a stud running back or, you know, somebody that you, yeah, would, someone you didn't think would fall to you. And so you might have to change it up. Then. It just depends on, you know, what happens. Like we're close together. I'm 109, you're what, 110, 111? Yeah. Yeah, so you yeah, know, depending pick. on what falls to me, I'm, I, I guarantee it's not going to be a receiver, but I'll be drafting either a running back, a tight end, or a quarterback there. So it just depends on what falls to me, you know. Yeah, I, and and that's that's a good point. One of my big sayings is um, strategies are grand, execu- uh, execution is crucial. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if if somebody, you know, if Lashawn McCoy or Melvin Gordon drops to me at one ten, you know. And there's already three or four quarterbacks off the board. Am I going to take the fifth or sixth best quarterback or, you know, a running back I didn't expect to make it there? I mean, that's the kind mm-hmm. of tough decisions you have to make. Last year I kind of got screwed in that way also. I drafted Breeze in the second round, and then I came back later and got Tyrod Taylor and Mariota, who were good choices, you know, really good oh, for yeah, the great. scoring system and with Breeze. But the, the, I kept waiting for the big QB run, and it didn't happen in my division. So the people who took other positions, like Kevin Cole, he was able to get a you know a really decent quarterback much later, if my memory serves, and he went really far in the tournament. So yeah, Cole you're right. Had a really good team last year. Yeah. So, but that's you know again, some of it is you know some of it is strategy, and some of it is luck. I still think that my strategy of loading up on QBs early with and running QBs was good, but I needed everyone else to kind of follow and take, you know, I have a saying, you probably heard me say it before, it's much better to start a run than to end a run. And what that means oh, is sometimes in, in drafts like this, I'll take, you know, especially when I've got like the, the, the 11 or the 12th pick, I'll 
pound back to back at the same position each draft, each time it comes to me, hoping that I'm I'm starting a run and everyone starts seeing them come off the board, and then you get, you know, six, you know, seven or eight quarterbacks between the two times you pick. And then someone you really like falls. It just didn't happen for me in SFB last year. Yeah, in a position where we're definitely going to have to be aware of um, thinking about when those runs are going to start and take a gamble and try and start them ourselves because it sucks to get stuck on the wrong side of those things. Well, yeah, we've got two tr- – you know, the the opt- I, as I mentioned to Dave, um, I think it was Dave who had the eighth pick, That's that's optimal. Right, uh, you know, if you've mm-hmm. got like the fifth to the seventh or eighth pick, you you, you can uh, you can withstand you can withstand a run. If true, you true, if, I mean, honestly, if you're in the tenth, eleventh, or twelfth spot, you know, and you let's say I go quarterback, you know, I really want two quarterbacks, and I go quarterback, running back, you know, if thirteen or fourteen quarterbacks come off the board between two three and three ten then I'm going to have to pass on a quarterback at 310 because it's just such a crappy value to take, you know, like a a Josh McCown at 310. So that's one of the things that I've been asking everyone about, about the runs, and it's my way of educating people. You better pay attention to runs in this thing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would still rather have the top two pick because – yeah, I mean, you get guaranteed one of those top guys, and you're close to the end, so you can, you know, double up on whatever you need or, and or start a run, et cetera. So, I mean, that's to me, that's the ultimate draft position in this. But you can do well with any draft position. You just gotta take the draft as it comes and um, pay attention to it, and not draft wide receivers early. <laughs> awesome. Well, as always, uh, fabulous having you on, Seth. You know you have a open invitation to come on anytime you need to. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned that ADP show. I would love to do that, like, once every two weeks next off season, and just have guys like you and Joe and Mike Oliva and uh, just come on. And uh, Mike Beers, you know, he did one with me this year. The, 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 there's so much fun to talk about the ADP ups and downs, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'd definitely do that with you sometime. I, I like being on your podcast and, and chatting with you. You're a, a fun guy to talk to and know your stuff and have some of the same interests. So we could probably talk for hours about MSL 10. So. And, we, and we, we could and get into all the minutia, and sometimes those are the best podcasts because a lot of them, they just, you know, they can't, they just can't get into the – detail that's one thing i really like about kevin the ff engineers pod he really gets into some really deep solid strategy that uh, i enjoy so people if you're out there listening check out his pod seth why don't you let us know where we can find you one last time and uh, we'll say goodbye for this episode uh well you can probably find me in your mfl 10 lobby <laughs> um, otherwise on twitter at seth ffl and um, I write some for ffcouchcoach.com. Um, other than that, I appreciate the time, and I'll see you all in the fishbowl or in the MFL town lobbies. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Seth. And we're going to end, Thank as you. we always do, with the song. And um, just like I did last week, I'm kind of on this kick. 
we're all trying to be the superstar and among superstars and win the SFB 7 with 720 people in it. We're going to play you Superstar by Sonic Youth. Have a good night, everyone.